Hello, investors, and welcome to Episode 9 of Dissecting the Deal. Our guest, Sarah Weaver. Hello, investors. My name is Michael Lidico, and I am happy to be your host for yet another episode of Dissecting the Deal, the podcast where we talk with an investor about a property they've examined, they've purchased, and find out how they made it cash flow. Thank you very much for joining us today for our episode with Sarah Weaver. I'm really excited for you guys to get to meet her. She made something happen that was really incredible. Sarah actually bought this property not only out of state from where she lives, but while she was out of the country. That's right. We get into power of attorney. We get into trusting your um, your realtor. We get into a whole bunch of other really stuff that's really neat. I'm not going to take up any more time. I'm going to let us get to Sarah, and I will catch you on the other side. For today's name drop, Sarah wanted to mention a couple of things. First, she wanted to mention the importance of Facebook messaging, like we've heard a bunch of other people, she really recommends going and check out the Real Estate Investing Club. That was a great place where she found other people and got to network and, and get to know some stuff. The other thing that she wants to plug is Agents Invest. This property is actually one that Sarah found on Agents Invest. Agents Invest is the place that Sarah works now, and it's a great deal sourcing organization. Uh, there is a fee to join, but if you are looking to get sent deals every week from around the country, or you want to get involved in other ways. They have other membership levels that you can get involved in. Um, that's a great place if you want to go check it out. Uh, own self-plug. I am an agent that sends stuff through Agents Invest to investors that are looking for things. It's a really neat organization and a great mailing list. Um, go check out Agents Invest, and don't forget the Real Estate Investing Club. Thanks, Sarah, for the name drop. Sarah Weaver believes you should live where you want and invest where the numbers make sense. Sarah is living proof of this. Sarah has traveled to 44 countries and has worked remotely for the past five years. She invests in buy and hold rentals in the U.S., yet is currently living in New Zealand. Sarah makes it easy for investors to do the same and to add out-of-the-state buy and hold real estate to their portfolio through Agents Invest, an investor-focused brokerage. She is also a moderator and contributor for a members-only mastermind called ROI Inner Circle, ran through the Addicted to ROI community. Nothing thrills Sarah more than to grow real estate agents' businesses by connecting agents with, uh, with more investor clients. Agents helping more people and making more money is gold. She has, used, she has used house hacking as an investment strategy to buy three doors in Kansas City. Sarah has lived in five states and on four continents. It's hard to know where Sarah is any given day, but one thing stays the same. She loves this stuff. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks, Michael. Happy to have you. I'm so excited to, to get to talk to you. We've been talking for a little bit about stuff, but we've never actually talked about one of your deals. So I'm really excited to do this. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, first thing is, uh, you know, what type of asset was this deal? It is a buy and hold. So it is a duplex, so small multifamily buy and hold property. Okay. And where in the world was this? It's in Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. And how did you find this uh, small multifamily in Kansas City, Missouri? Because I don't think you were living there at the time. No, I wasn't. I was actually splitting my time between Brazil and Mexico all of 2019. Okay. And I found this company called Agents Invest. 
and they send deals to their investors and connect the investor with on the ground teams like real estate agents, property managers, contractors. And at the time, I actually didn't work for them. Um, so I was a client. As we'll talk about the deal, the deal went so well. I loved Agents Invest so much that I quit my job and I started working for them and I work for them now. Hey, uh, you know, you've got to have a W-2, nothing like working in real estate. Exactly. Earn while you learn. That's learn right. Learn while you earn. <laughs> okay. So uh, so Agents Invest uh, is this group. They're putting out deals all the time. They uh, they show you this deal and, and you say, oh, um, I think that looks like a deal. How did you know it was a deal? What was your criteria? Yeah. So at the time, I was not as savvy as I am now, I have to admit. So this was before I started working with Jennifer full time and I knew it cash flowed. I wanted a multifamily. So I wanted to um, owner occupy so that I could put less than 20 or 25% down um, okay. for listeners out there that don't know you can do that. If you're, if you're going to live there, you can put less down on the deal as a down payment. That was a criteria. And I wanted it to be in Kansas City because that's where my parents are. Um, so I'm trying to spend more time with them, which is quite laughable now because now I'm on the other side of the world. <laughs> and um, and frankly, I wasn't looking at things like cash on cash or cash per door. This is all things that I've since learned uh, since closing on this deal. <laughs> so at the time you said you it was cash flowing, what was the indicator you were looking for? Or, or, you know, you said cash flow. What was that cash flow when you were new and, and just looking at it? Yeah. So I looked at the principal interest taxes and insurance, um, which is all wrapped into your monthly payment and then how much I could rent out both units for. And then I just looked at the difference. And at the time, gosh, I probably was just looking for maybe like 200, maybe 250. <laughs> okay. um, it's like, was my goal. I'm sure I had, a, maybe, maybe I'm not giving myself enough credit. Maybe I did have bigger goals, but back then, I mean, this was only about a year ago now. Um, but I don't know if I knew everything that I know now, whereas now I'm looking for 250 a door, meaning okay. I would have wanted this to cash flow $500. And I look at three other metrics. I look at um, vacancy rate for the area, CapEx or capital expenditures, maintenance and repairs, and then lastly, property management fees. And those are probably percentages I didn't really look at at the time. Sure. I, again, your first deal, you know, you you walked in with best of plans and you, you know, I, the, the phrase I use is there's always that university property, right? Where you just go to school and, and figure it out as you go. Yeah. I like to think that I'm earning my PhD in real estate investing. <laughs> uh, I talked to somebody recently. He actually has his very first house or his, his first house that was a disaster house that he then changed his entire investment model. He has that up next to his degree. Uh, to remind him, like they're, both of these required pieces of paper, but one of them, I learned a lot in a very short period of time. Okay, so Agents Invest shows you, 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 you see it, you're interested in it. And uh, what happens next? Yeah, um, honestly, the agent texts me late at night and said, you should buy this. I just happened to be on an Agents Invest investor trip. So I was actually surrounded by savvy investors that weekend, which I admit probably got me like this heightened excitement of like, yeah, I'm going to close on a deal because I'm surrounded with people that own like 10 doors and a hundred doors. And you know, you, you, you get a little jealous. Like you're like, sure. well, wait a minute. I want that. 
And so when my agent texted me that I should buy this deal, which again, he knew my criteria. He knew I wanted a duplex, three, a triplex or fourplex that I could house hack. I was very clear on my price because I only had so much capital. Um, and so when he texted me, you should buy this. I was thankfully able to lean over to Dina, who works at Agents Invest and now is one of my colleagues. But at the time, she was just um, a, a new friend or a new colleague. Or, um, and I said, hey, should I buy this? <laughs> um, and so what's really cool about surrounding yourself with investors is that you then have someone to, to ask that question, like, should I buy this? And I just, the timing worked out great. It was a, it was a Friday night and I was at like a weekend conference in Nashville. I had flown in from Mexico. I was living in Mexico at the time. And yeah, I went under contract. I wrote an offer, uh, woke up Saturday to a text message saying that I got it. And that was it. <laughs> I was oh, under contract. That's awesome. So, um, and again, wonderful thing about digital investing, right? Is that you just got all the DocuSign stuff and wrote everything, signed off on everything. And she submitted your offer for you and, and away you went. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So, so I didn't um, see the property, like for anyone that's listening, that's like, wait, 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 she's in Nashville. Yeah. So I, I went under contract sight unseen. Okay. So what was different about that investing out of state? And, uh, at this point you're also living out of country. What was different about that experience? Um, there was just a lot of trust involved. Like I just had to trust the agent. Um, and before my first property that I bought, I actually found it. I was actually walking the neighborhood, knocking on doors saying, would you sell me your house? And that's how I found my first deal. And then I didn't use a real estate agent because I used to be licensed um, five years ago in Texas. And so I actually didn't even use a real estate agent on my first deal or my first house that I bought. And so this was really different. I had to let go of a lot of control, um, which is uncomfortable for any, any un, um, self-proclaimed control freaks out there. Like letting go of control is hard. And yep. so I had to do that. I had to trust the agent. Um, I didn't see the house. Um, I just trusted. I should also know, I did fly back to visit my family in October of that year. And yeah. I did look for properties like I did the first time. I was like driving neighborhoods, knocking on doors, and I came up with nothing. So at that point in the process, I probably was a little bit more like, I wouldn't say emotionally exhausted because that sounds really negative. I probably had my expectations in check. Like I knew that it was it was more difficult to find a deal the second time. Um, whether it be because it was a, the seller's market or whatever it may be, it was more difficult. And so I knew the value when my phone, when I got that text message, I was like, oh yeah, this is a good deal. And another one's not going to come up five minutes later. Got it. Okay. So, um, you, at that point, you've, you've submitted the offer, you're trusting the agent. She's there, um, taking you through, uh, inspection. She, you know, giving you feedback, uh, anything, um, come up during, uh, you know, in the process of getting to closing. Yeah. And it was funny when I, when I, you asked me earlier and like filling out the form, I was like, no, it was a really smooth deal. And my family's always telling me that I paint way too rosy of a picture. They're like, that's not true at all. Like when I sold my car, I'm like, the car is great. Nothing's wrong with it. My parents are like, that car gave you so much headache. I was like, oh yeah, you're right. That was, there were things wrong. And so, yes, there were things that came up super weird. Um, the, the house was a, a single family 
And in the 1800s, so it was built in the 1800s. And in the early like 1920s, it was split into a duplex. A lot of houses in that neighborhood, they did that. And so like it was divided into a duplex. And the way that it was zoned, it was misproperly zoned. And oh. so we were having trouble. And again, now I'm like foggy on the details because it's so like, oh, yeah, it was great. It was fine. Yeah, I um, owned it. What do I care time, if I got there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there were there were problems. Um, and and I probably, gosh, I just don't remember freaking out. Maybe like I should go back and ask my my realtor, like, was I a pain in the behind or was I fine? Because I think it was, I just was like, okay, like if this doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Um, but yeah, there were some trouble. Obviously it worked out. I closed, it's properly zoned it's, or maybe it's not. I don't even know. It is properly zoned. We got it <laughs> so when you say it was zoned, was it still in a single family zoning, even though it was a duplex or was it worse than that? Yeah, that was it. It was something oh, okay. along that. And it was so, so what I actually did is the realtor obviously like fought on my behalf and, and he did a really good job. But then I also called the city and like befriended the girl on the phone and was like, oh, like maybe you can help me. I, oh, this is like totally over my head, even though I, I did understand what was going on. And she ended up like pulling documents and it was really cool. She actually sent me stuff from like 19... 30s like scanned oh, wow. handwritten like plans and it's really cool the house on the back of the property that is may or may not be like a, a correct lot um division but the house on the back of the property that isn't mine um used to be a fire station or used to be the fire station like back in like 1920 oh, and so cool. I thought that that was really cool so I like printed that off and if I like ever meet the person that owns the house behind me maybe I'll give them that and oh, yeah, yeah so I learned some cool things about the neighborhood <laughs> Very cool. Now, how did you close yeah. on the property? Did you use uh, hard money? Did you use your your cash? How did how did you get to closing? Yep, it was just a normal conventional loan um, through my lender that I've used on my previous property. Highly recommend him if someone needs a lender in Kansas or Missouri. And I put, um, gosh, what did I end up putting down? With that is a conventional loan and I could put down 5% because I was owner occupying the house. And then I asked for seller contributions. And so I came to the table with like less than 3%. Wow. And this was in, this was in 2019. Yeah. Wow. I think just... next week is my like one year. And so I don't know when the podcast will come out, but I think it, it was like November 7th, 2019. Got it. Yeah. No, I'm just thinking about my market in 2019. I was like, we weren't giving seller contributions in 2019. Get out of here. I, so what I'm finding is that it's not so much like about the like the type of the mark or the year, but it's mm -hmm. very dependent on market. So like oh, yeah. in Clarksville, Tennessee, for example, they almost always give seller contributions, whereas in Washington State, like that's pretty unheard of, depending on the area. Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay, so you close on the property. Um, how is it performing for you now? Yeah. So the, my property manager at the time told me that they thought the bottom unit, it was vacant when I bought it. Um, and they told me that it would rent for $8.50 a month. They ended up getting it for $9.85 a month. Tenants moved in, I think within like two weeks of closing. And I was thrilled. That extra 135 bucks is a pretty big deal. So that was really exciting. And then I moved into the top unit with a roommate. 
and they're paying, my roommate's paying 600 a month. So I, oh gosh, what is my, my PITI, my principal interest taxes and insurance is 1079. And so what yep. is that? 985 plus 600 That's is 1585. 1585. And so I live there for free and I make almost 500 bucks. Hey, like you said, that 135 makes a difference. Yeah. Not bad for a property you were hoping to make 200 bucks on. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. That's awesome. Um, so uh, property managers there, so they did, they've been doing um, any of the maintenance. They've been taking care of people. They, you haven't had the tenants churn in the bottom yet. So I'm actually insane and I'm self-managing. I pay oh. the property manager just for tenant placement. Got it. And so I have had contact with the tenants, obviously my roommate and the bottom tenant, and I've had to hire and fire a mower. Um, there was a doorknob that got jammed. So I had to call a maintenance person to go fix that. Um, but otherwise it's great. <laughs> no oh, complaints. Very cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So what on this property was, uh, was first time for you? What, what was brand new? Um, going under contract sight unseen. So like just trusting the agents and best agent partner. And then I used power of attorney and my dad actually signed all of my closing docs and I was in Mexico. So that was a really, that was a really cool way to close on a house is to like celebrate with a margarita on the beach. <laughs> oh yeah. On the beach in Mexico, white sand, just being like, oh, that's right. Dad's signing now. Okay. I own a rental. Yeah. Like, home. Cheers. Cheers. My friends. Like I live in Missouri now. <laughs> <laughs> that's where you guys can send me a Christmas card. <laughs> Very cool. So knowing what you know now about this process and about, you know, investing out of state, but also became your residence and all that sort of stuff. What would you do differently on this property if you were to buy it again? I mean, really nothing. Um, and, and again, I admit that I like paint too rosy of a picture sometimes, but uh, there's really not anything I would do differently. The, the kitchen in my unit needs to be renovated. Um, but I'm not going to kick out a, a paying roommate. Um, to spend $10,000 renovate a kitchen. Yep. Um, when I do do that, I should say, when I do renovate the kitchen, I should be able to get at least 985 a month, like the bottom unit. Um, and so then I should be net cash flowing or sorry, gross cash flowing at least $800 um, yeah. a month, which is pretty cool. So now I'm, I'm hitting that metric. I now have a metric that I want to hit at least 250 cash flow per door. Obviously, this is going to be closer to 400 if I renovate right. the kitchen. Right. Very cool. Okay. So let's uh, let's run some numbers on this bad boy. So your purchase price was? 18500 Okay. 18500 um, And you had, it sounds like, $0 into the renovation in order to get it rented. About 1000 I like oh, put in a ceiling fan and did some little bits and bobs. Okay. Um, any other random expenses come up during that process? Um, oh, the the property manager, I paid him, let's just say 985. I don't think it was quite that. I think it was a little bit lower. Okay. I paid the tenant placement. Okay. 
And then uh, we know it's cash flowing now. Um, your income is fifteen eighty five. You've got your expenses for the loan of $1,079. And you purchased this with a conventional mortgage. So uh, what were you, back in 2019, what kind of rate did you get on it? I believe I'm at 3.9. Wow. Yeah, yep, 3.9. And are you uh, considering, no, you've only, you haven't quite owned this for a year yet. But are you considering possibly doing a refi on it? Not yet. My my credit score, I'm sad to say, took a little bit of a dip in March because uh, I did too many hard inquiries because uh, I tried to buy in too many markets. Um, yep. And, and 3.9, and then there's not enough equity in it. I have a feeling, here's actually, here's the full story is I'm thinking about doing an FHA on my next owner-occupy house hack, hopefully a fourplex. And if I do that, there's like a percentage of equity that has to be in the house that you're moving out of. Again, this is kind of a little over my head for anyone listening. That's like, wait, what? And so if that's the case, I'm going to have to pay down my loan a little bit anyway. So it doesn't make sense for me to pay any of the fees associated with refinancing at this time. Sure. Makes total sense. I call it a dance. I think it's all a dance. Oh, it is. It's just learning different moves, right? Some of us learn to disco, others learn how to do the moonwalk. And, you know, some of us just do the electric boogaloo. So cool. Well, Sarah, this is, uh, this was awesome. This is so cool to hear about how you were able to do that. Yeah. I, I can honestly say I haven't talked to anybody that's had a power of attorney in order to get to their closing. So that was fantastic that you were able to pull that off. And as you said, drink margaritas on the beach on the day that you closed. Yeah, so, that was really cool. And for any for, and for anyone that's like, oh, how good for her, her dad got involved. No, you actually can give power of attorney to anyone. It's just like a person that signs. It's not that my dad took on any liabilities or anything with signing for me. It's completely my house. And yeah, so that's kind of cool. And then now I'm learning because I'm now in New Zealand looking to purchase another multifamily. I've been looking in Tennessee and I actually need to go find a U.S. notary here in New Zealand. And there's only one at the embassy (laughs) from what I'm finding out. And I don't have this problem because New Zealand is COVID free, but other people abroad, like I know someone that's trying to buy in Zimbabwe and he can't get a U.S. um, notary because the embassies aren't allowing people to visit because of COVID and social distancing. And so his um, closing has been delayed because he can't actually find a U.S. notary. Like in pre-COVID days, it was no problem. Yeah. But now it's an issue. So I'm learning, I'm learning a lot about all the hoops you have to jump through. Oh, sure. But because just for health reasons, they're like, sorry, we can't have the notary meet with you in order to sign your paperwork so that you can close. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's Um, really interesting. So Sarah, if, uh, if people want to connect with you, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, the best way is just Instagram. They can find me at Sarah D. Weaver on Instagram. Sarah, this has been so great. Thank you very much for talking to us about your deal. Uh, best of luck down there in New Zealand, finding your next property uh, over here in the States. And we hope you get to come back soon, if you want to come back, that is. Yeah, I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Man, what a cool deal.
I mean, just the fact that she found a, a mailing list slash an investment group. They sent her a deal. The agent said, here's your criteria. I know this is the right property for you. I want you to buy it. And she trusted in her team and made the purchase. And now Sarah is, uh, well, at the time of closing, was sipping martinis on the beach and just enjoying life while power of attorney worked in her favor to get her her new home. So thank you, Sarah, very much for sharing that deal with us. Uh, definitely a different investment environment than I'm in, but way cool. If you are interested in sharing your story with us, please reach out to me at info at dissectingthedeal.com. I'd love to talk with you about the investments you're making and share with other people what it is you're doing. If you've made it this far in the show, I hope that means you feel like this has been some value to you. And in return, I'd like to ask for, for something of value back. Our lives are driven by algorithms. Please like, subscribe, leave a review, do something to interact with this show because you were lucky enough to have been found uh, by this or to have this show recommended to you. If you can leave something that will help the algorithm find uh, someone else that could value from this, uh, that would be wonderful. Uh, thank you again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. As always, stay safe and we'll see you next time.